Would you uh, remain standing with me for the reading of the word? This morning, I, I want to uh, speak on the subject of I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. I will make you fishers of men. And this uh, scripture is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. We'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. We are called to be fishermen. Uh, and let's, so let's read together. There is one uh, passage that I want you uh, to repeat with me or to say it with me. And that is in verse 19. It says this, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. Would you repeat this with me? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's say that again. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. When we look at this text, Jesus, the first thing we need to understand is this is not the first time that Peter and Andrew or James and John have encountered Jesus. But it is the first time that Jesus has called them to come and to follow him. And whenever Peter and Andrew, when Jesus comes upon them, they are casting a net. They're fishermen, it says. So they're casting a net. They're working. They're not lazy. They're doing their business that God has called them to do. And so they're working there on that ship. And the Bible tells us that they're casting a net. And he also comes upon James and John. And they are mending their net. Which means that it needed to be mended because they had put it to use. They had been busy about doing what God had initially called them to do. What I want to point out this morning is that God uh, uses people and calls people who are busy doing something. He calls people who are at work already, and he calls them to a greater work. You see, God does not typically incorporate lazy people into his ministry. Now, I'm preaching this morning. You might not like it, but I am preaching this morning. And God calls people to be busy. And I, I come upon, upon people all the time and they say, uh, Pastor, I, I just don't know what God's calling me to do. And I mean, what we should say in that matter is that keep doing what you're doing now until God calls you to something bigger and greater to do. In other words, be faithful in what God has already called you to do 
So that whenever he comes, he'll find you faithful and he'll put you to work and he'll use you in a greater way in the kingdom of God. Those who have been faithful in the little, God will call to do greater things. I'm, I'm building this morning this message because Jesus comes to uh, Peter and Andrew. He comes to James and John and they're busy casting a net and they're busy mending their nets. When the call came upon David's life, he was keeping his father's sheep. When Elisha was, uh, uh, the mantle was put upon his back by Elijah, he was plowing a field. When Matthew was called to come and follow Jesus, he was at the tax collector's table. When Moses was called, he was tending his father-in-law's sheep. And Gideon, when he was called, he was threshing wheat. Threshing wheat, even though it was dangerous, he was still busy doing something. Now, why do we say all of this? As we look at this story, here comes Jesus, and they're all busy. Here comes the Lord in the Old Testament, and they're all busy doing something. But when you encounter the presence of the Lord, it requires a decision. It demands a decision. You see, the Lord always employs us to do something for the kingdom of God. There is no job description that says sit in the pew and do nothing in the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm getting there this morning, okay? There's no job description that says uh, just get saved and wait it out until the Lord comes. But every time we encounter Jesus, that encounter demands a decision for us. You see, encountering the Lord is so special and so unique and so important that it demands a decision from us. What will that decision be? Will we follow Jesus? Will we draw close to him? Will we allow him to change our lives and to make us into what he has called us to be? Every time we encounter Jesus' presence, it demands a decision on our part. You see, Jesus wasn't looking for a casual, distant commitment from these men. And he's not looking for that from us as well. He was calling them, hear me, to leave their professions, to leave everything that they knew, and to make a lifetime commitment to him. May I suggest today that he's calling us for the same reason. Now, that doesn't mean we leave our job, our profession, but what it means is that we have a commitment that is for a lifetime to Jesus. And when he says, follow me, we don't hesitate. Have you hesitated at times? When the Lord said, do this, and you, well, let me think about it, Lord. Let me, let me dwell upon that. Does that fit into my timetable? Does that fit into my plans and my designs for my life? 
But Jesus was saying, follow me. Follow me. Come along beside of me. Watch me. Grow with me. Let me develop you into who I want you to be. And this morning, as we look at this call of Jesus, he first says, follow me. Follow me. You see, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, then we are an integral part of God's plan for saving the world. The devil doesn't like it when we say things like this. Because he wants you to think that you don't matter. Hear me. That you are nobody. That you cannot contribute to the kingdom of God. But that is the farthest from the truth that you can ever get. For God has called us. And when he said, follow me, there was a reason. There was a purpose. There was a design upon your life. There was, hear me, an anointing. There was a power that come upon your life. When Jesus said, come and follow me, he didn't lead you to your own power or your own plans. But he said, come and follow me and I will make you into what I want you to be. How many are glad for the call of the Lord on your life? Come and follow me. It's a challenging call. It's a call uh, when you begin to look up those words, follow me in the Greek. It means it's an imperative. It's vital. It's important. Jesus said, come and follow me. I want you to know that this is so important, so powerful. It's so urgent. If you were to put it into English, you would have said, come and come now. You see, he issues that same call to us. This follow me is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament is the Greek word duta, and it simply means to uh, come, to follow, uh, no longer be a casual observer, but that you must leave everything. It's a life-changing and destiny-defining decision. See, when we encounter Jesus, it demands that decision of us. Philippians 3.8, Paul says this, I have suffered the loss of all things. What, what's he saying? He's saying, I left it all. I, I didn't come and, and try to just do my plan and my design, but I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. You see, there's always something to lose, but more to gain. You answer the call to come and follow me. And look at the disciples. They didn't hesitate. They didn't uh, ask Jesus to wait on them to go get everything in order. Uh, the Bible here is telling us uh, that they are a great example for us to follow, that we immediately go after Jesus. We need to go after Jesus this yeah. morning. Amen? And it requires us to leave some things behind. We like our things. But it requires us to leave behind some things. The Samaritan woman, as Jesus encounters her at the well, and she meets the Messiah, and she's changed because he's told her all about her life. And then the Bible tells us, 
that she leaves the water pitcher, the natural one, in order to pursue the supernatural. So she leaves behind her water pitcher. Matthew leaves behind the tax table. Bartimaeus left his cloak in order to follow Jesus. You see, the first call is not to a ministry, but to follow Jesus. That's our first call. He doesn't say, I need you to go uh, to Uganda and preach the gospel. He doesn't say, I need you uh, to do this or to do that. He said, I want you to follow me. Come alongside of me. Accompany me as I minister the gospel and learn from me. That's what he's saying. Come and follow me. It's not a call immediately to begin to work, but a call to be with him. That's what Mark 33, 14 tells us. Jesus called them to be with him. Not to be more active, not to be a self-starter or work in self-effort, but he's calling us to come into a relationship with him and to be in his presence. You see, that is where we're equipped for the ministry that he's called us to, is in his presence. We cannot encounter I said that whenever we encounter the Lord, it demands a decision of us. But anytime we encounter the Lord, we will not walk away the same. We will be changed on the inside. There will come a, a, an enlightenment to us and we'll begin to change because we have been in the presence of the Lord. God, come and change us in your presence. You see, I believe that's what happened in Asbury is some young people got excited about Jesus and they encountered him and they will never be the same but I believe this whole region maybe this whole nation will never be the same because of an encounter and the presence of the Lord that comes into our life when we follow him look at your neighbor and say follow him follow him Accompany him. And he says, I won't leave you, but I will make something of you. Follow me, and I will make you. In other words, Jesus is the one that makes us fishers of men. Pastor, I don't feel like I'm much of a soul winner. Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like my personality fits witnessing. It's okay. It don't have to because Jesus will make you into a fisher of men. You see, we think that we all have to be the same, and that is a big lie from the enemy. God will use my character and my traits and my abilities and my uh, skills in order to help me to become a fisher of men, and he will do the very same thing with you. He will use what you have in order to become a fisher of men. Yeah. It's that important. And, and can I tell you, I knew this net was going to come in handy. Sometimes if we were in charge, we wouldn't use this. This is a net. We don't like to fish with nets. I'm speaking 
symbolically here. Because I can't control what kind of fish I catch with a net. Hear me? Sometimes we like to cast a line into the pond of people that we know, that we're like, that have characteristics and traits like us that are a part of our pool, if you will. But the Lord did not uh, fish with a fishing rod or a single line. He called us to cast out a net and to catch red and yellow and black and white and poor and rich and, and those of, and, and in this economy and those in that economy. He calls us to be fishers of men. By the way, that word is not male or female. In the plural, it simply means people. To catch people. And he's making us. I get really excited when I begin to look at this word. He says, come follow me and I will make you. That word means to construct. To produce, to form, and to fashion. To prepare with a designation of time. Pastor, I don't know if I'm ready right now. That's okay. He'll make you ready. He'll construct you. He'll design you. He will do things in your life over time so that you become effective in witnessing the people and being a fisher of men. Don't worry if you feel like you're not ready yet. None of us are. He's still working on me. He's still designing me. He's still making me. And over time, he's developing me and you to become fishers of men. That word make means to be the author of. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. It means to appoint or to ordain. Pastor, I thought only ministers were ordained. No, no, no. Maybe officially by some church organization. But you, look at me. Look me in an eye. You were appointed and ordained to be fishers of men. Every one of you. God has called us. He has saved us. He has uh, made us into witnesses and fishers of men. You see, the one who makes us made this entire universe, this world. And if he can make that, can he make me into a soul winner? I believe that he can. The problem is sometimes we're not willing to be made into anything. We're not Play-Doh in his hands. I mean, remember playing with Play-Doh when you were growing up. And you can form that into anything and, and it would become, uh, as you used your imagination, uh, the problem is sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be the clay in God's hands in order for him to make us, and we become stubborn, and we become resistant. I'm preaching to myself as well today. And we don't want to allow God to make us because it's uncomfortable, and it doesn't feel good. But God wants to make you into something that will change this world. And that is a fisher of men. He's fashioning us. 
Sometimes we make every excuse, but God is able to make us into fishers of men. It's a job for everyone. It's not just for the church staff, not just for pastors and youth pastors and children's pastors and deacons and for teachers, but for every one of us. We have a designation. We have an identification card upon us that we are fishers of men. The disciples, here's the good news, were ordinary men. You couldn't find any more ordinary men. As far as we can tell, seven out of the 12 of them were just regular fishermen. Not anything fancy. None of them went to cemetery, I mean seminary. You see, none of them had professional training except, hear me, they had been with Jesus. That's so good. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Follow me. If you'll come and be a part of me, if you'll come and follow me, and if you'll come and just be with me, then I will have, he's saying, the opportunity to make you into something that you never imagined that you could be. See, I believe in our midst are people who can win hundreds and thousands of people and nations to the Lord. I believe that. I believe that uh, as the song that we sang this morning uh, that talks about greater things are still to be done in the city, that we are not called to simply pastor this church, but to pastor the city and the county. So when we feel inadequate, when you feel inferior, know that somebody is working on you who created this whole world. He's the creator of the universe. And what he is doing in you is vitally important. For three years, three years he worked with these disciples. And what was the result? They were filled with the Spirit. And they turned their world upside down. Same God. You don't have to include yourself in this if you don't want to. But ordinary people. And they turned the world upside down because they had been with Jesus. There's no limits upon how many people we can reach for the kingdom of God. I, I mean, I want to encourage you this morning. If you've set down your net, if you haven't cast in a line lately, if you haven't witnessed to someone, I want you, don't wait. Look at your neighbor and say, don't wait. Don't wait. Let me finish this this morning. Don't wait. Follow the call. Hear me. When I wrote this down, I felt it. Boom. Hit me in my spirit. Don't wait. The fish are biting. God has awakened this world. I believe with all of my heart that we are in the last days. And those who uh, have been on the fringe and those who have heard the gospel message but not responded to it, now they're hungry. Now they're thirsty. Now they're beginning to bite. And all we have to do, Shatakapo Shabbat, 
He's throwing the net. Don't wait. Look at your neighbor and say, don't wait. Don't wait. Fish. There's a harvest. There's a revival that is coming. It is too urgent to wait. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. The fish are biting. Cast out a net. Throw in a line. Do it and do it now. Can I get an amen? amen. The world desperately needs fishing. Why do I say don't wait? Because here's what we have a tendency to do. To wait until we have the perfect circumstances. To wait until we have all the resources that we need. To wait until we know all the details. No, uh, no slap for those who are uh, big planners. But sometimes when God says move, you've got to move whether you got all the plans together or not. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we wait until we have all the money. Sometimes we wait to fish until we have time. God has called us to get back to fishing. I love this story because two of the four men were already fishing and Jesus calls them to become greater fishing. Two of them are mending their net, which means they're probably done for the day. But Jesus calls them to get back at it. So if you need to take care of some things, if you need to mend some things, go ahead and do it. Hear me. But then get back at fishing. These fishers of men. Let me feel that tug upon your heart this morning. God has designed us to be fishers of men. Don't wait. Don't wait. Fish while you have the energy. Fish while you have the time. Fish while you have breath in your lungs. Fish while you have uh, the capacity to do so. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't wait. Go fishing. Go fishing.